Welcome to the Power of Property podcast. I am your host, Ellie Mackay, a property investor and developer. And this podcast is for anyone who shares my passion for property. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started, I want to take you to the next level. I'm going to be bringing some real chat with some of the UK's leading property entrepreneurs. We'll be sharing wisdom and industry insights without any of the BS. Property's absolutely transformed my life and I know it has the potential to change yours too. Enjoy. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of The Power of Property. Um, I am joined by a good friend of mine, Scott Smith, who has travelled all the way to sunny Doncaster from not so sunny Glasgow. So welcome Scott. Thank you, thank you for having me. Now Scott is actually relatively new to property. He has only been in the industry for about 18 months but he's achieved an incredible amount in that time. Um, He's now working very closely with retired professional athletes, life after professional sport. He's done numerous buy-to-flips, he's done some assisted sales, he's doing commercial to residential developments, um, and and he's working on some really exciting stuff. So for anyone who doesn't understand any of that terminology, bear with me because we will be explaining exactly what that means. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Are you feeling nervous? Um, No, not really. I've not done many of these, um, and most of the ones that I've been asked to do have been on Zoom. Uh So this is the first one that's been in person. Um, but as you touched on, we're good friends, so I'm hoping you'll, you'll settle that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so well, we are at the start of the podcast. <laughs> let's see if we are at the aye, end aye, of it. Aye, so, okay, Scott, tell us a little bit about yourself because, yeah. um, like I just said, you're only 18 months into the industry. Yeah. What were you doing prior to property? So, in terms of being full-time in property, mm-hmm. that's about 18, 18 20 months. Mm-hmm. Before that, I worked in British Gas. Yeah. So I worked there for 11 years mm-hmm. my um, my mum actually which my mum applied for that job for me right okay. so i'll take you right back i'll take you back just to uh, back to the womb give you a, <laughs> give you a wind. so basically i was an apprentice mechanic mm-hmm. hate cars like no interest in cars just thought i'll go and get a trade but then realized don't like getting dirty didn't like didn't like working in the cold it was just didn't enjoy it so um left that and was trying to figure out what i was going to do my mum said, well, I've applied for this job in British Gas, sales role, looks decent till you figure it out. Mm-hmm. So went in for the interview, started chatting, everything was fine, kind of winging it. And I remember the, the interviewer said, look, you've filled an online um, questionnaire in, it's about you and the answers, we're going to ask you about the answers that you've provided. We'll give you five minutes to just reflect on it. I remember texting my mum going, did you fill in a, a questionnaire? Like, I didn't have a clue what she'd put. Um, luckily managed to wing that and started in there for, which was only meant to be six months. Started working my way through sales, sales, manage, sales manager, went and done some coaching, some training, um, went on to do project management in there, went out mm-hmm. and was selling central heating systems, so really just a varied um, number of roles. Worked yeah. in there for 11 years, actually really enjoyed it, but always knew, like there, there was something I just, always knew that there was something that, I, that was missing. Um, but always thankful because it provided me with my fiance and my family and that's that's where we met and she worked there so and was made redundant we actually we got made redundant on the same day so she was pregnant with Callie my, my youngest daughter we've got Lexi who was two at the time we both we had managed to escape three redundancies mm-hmm. and um, we got a letter through to say like this is it it's final oh, and it fell on the same day so I remember that Thursday laughing 
when I picked her up from her office and she's pregnant, like I think she just went in to say bye to everyone because she'd actually started her maternity, her mental, she was struggling with her health and things and, and um, so we're technically both of us were unemployed but I contacted mine for British Gas, worked in an, um, a company called Cooninagle, big mm-hmm. logistics firm, said look come in here, do some project management, so I went in on a Monday and um, literally within 10 minutes I, I was like I can't do this again starting in the whole corporate world, get, I think I've spoken about this before, gave the keys to a nice brand new Audi, good salary, Monday to Friday, here's your nice office, mm-hmm. there's a bit of flexibility, so most people would look, the salary was good. Most you were on like, like 50 plus grand a year, weren't you, which for a lot of people's that, deemed as... That age, is, aye, so, yeah. so that was a good salary, um, but I remember coming home, and um, so like St. Siobhan's, like, how, how was your first day, how did you get on? You're a little bit quiet, and um, just I was like, I'm, I'm not going back. She just kind of smiled nervously and was like, um, "Right, we'll go for it." Um, and then that's when I, I started. So I, I originally thought I'll go in because I had been always been interested and done little bits before, mm-hmm. like you knowing I was working and a few little things with, with friends and that. Yeah. But I thought I'll go and do this, and the plan was just to go and start and do projects and bring in money that way. And, trained as a gas engineer and started the gas company which provided some some income so as well as the property I've also got a, a gas heating company plumbing company as well um, so it was always just meant to be for to do my own project developments but then it's it's kind of snowballed in the last 18 months into something a bit different. So would you say like property was something that you were always interested in or what kind of led you down that path? I, I thought before I actually got involved <laughs> heavily in property yeah. I liked the idea of it. Yeah. Sounds very glamorous, doesn't it? I've seen people make money and they don't tell you of, no, the stress, the the, the hassle, the long days, the phone calls. It just looked like anyone I knew that was in property, what they were killing it, Mm -hmm. make money, they don't tell you if they make a loss, they don't, like, who's going to, it was all just very, oh, buy a property, do it up, flip it, make 20 grand, easy as that. Mm -hmm. And that's, that was was my, what I thought, and I had been involved in a couple of little things that, didn't really lead me to suggest otherwise. Yeah. And then, um, obviously, as you know, when you get involved in it and you start seeing that there's a new problem most days and there's endless things that you don't realise until you actually get involved, it was yeah. slightly different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you actually made the decision to go and get yourself educated. Yeah. So how, how did that come about? So I went and so just kept seeing it pop up, as you do, Facebook and because I had been looking into property and because of where I'm from in Glasgow, Paul, Paul McFadden's obviously quite well known and anyone I spoke to, his name came up and reputation was good and I thought... Nice little plug there for Paul. <laughs> and I thought that, um, right, well, if I'm going to do this properly, because obviously I said to Siobhan, look, trust me, six months, don't worry about it, watch me go. And then the minute I turned my back, went, shit, like, <laughs> <laughs> I need to figure this out. So yeah. I thought with some of the money that I had from the redundancy and um, the money that I pulled from the, the wedding fund as we're due to get married as well. Wow, right. Um, I went and got educated at, at Paul's protege, as you know. And so you went all in? Yeah, that was it. So I thought if I'm going to do it, um, don't give me off, I've still made a lot of mistakes in that time, but it just it, it provided me with knowledge of things I would never have known, which I'm sure we'll touch on, like assisted sales, for example. That was, they were good for me and got a few of them at the start. I would never have known how to structure it like that or structure a deal, getting investors, 
um, I just thought, right, I'm going to go here. I went with a view to going to just learn more about how to flip a property. Mm -hmm. What I left was, what left that um, three-day event was, I had a network, I had connections, I had people that I could turn to, I had possible investors, I had knowledge. So there was so much more than just going and learning how to flip a property. Learning the strategies, uh, <clears throat> I think you made an interesting point there because it's a common misperception that you need money in order to get started the property and that wasn't your experience and it certainly wasn't my experience you know for, for anyone who's not familiar with my own story um, when i got into this crazy world and we did our first investment back in 2006 but three and a half years ago when we went full-time in property i was actually on job seekers allowance um, very much like yourself there, there's quite a few parallels i'd used the last of my redundancy money yep. and put that into our education so very much of the the going all in mentality but you, you, you mentioned something there about the strategies and I did promise the listeners at the start that we would just explain a little bit more about those because we can be guilty in property once you know the lingo and you're familiar with the pattern yeah. and, and presuming everybody does. But just talk the listeners through what is an assisted sale. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you an example as well. But um, an assisted sale is where you agree a price with the, the owner mm -hmm. of that property. You take the refurb on and put the house on the market and for us, we, I know some people do it as they, they maybe share a bit of the property, but the way that I positioned it is, price was agreed, we went in and carried out the renovation and then whatever, once it was sold, the, the owner gets what the agreed price, the refurb is, is returned, you get that money back and then whatever profit's left in that. So, so basically it's a way of controlling the property without actually owning yeah. it. So th th this is something that could be quite beneficial for properties that are perhaps on the market, they're not selling. Uh, we, we talk a lot within the property sector about motivated sellers, but, but there's instances where, for easy math, say a property's on the market for £100,000, uh, the vendor's not in a position to reduce that price, perhaps the mortgage is for the full £100,000, um, but someone like yourself can can go in um, and perhaps see an opportunity to add value to yeah. a property with, with say, a £10,000 refurb. And if you spend £10,000 on that refurb, then the property could be worth, um, say, £120,000. Yeah. So yeah. The reason that that would be appealing to a property investor is because you've got no acquisition costs, you're not paying any stamp duty, deposits and also and no, no, yeah, no deposits, everything. but you, you've actually got no six month rule yeah. either. So you could potentially say to an estate agent, uh, you know, you, you're almost working in conjunction with the estate agent because ultimately they just want that for sales. Yeah. So you're suspending the, the live, um, I was going to say vacancy there, yeah. you're, the, the live listing, um, pulling that property works particularly well when it's a vacant property, a repossession or uh, a bereavement, something uh, like that. Yeah, definitely, because you need to go in and, and do that. So I've had it on both instances where I've had it where we're direct to the, the homeowner. Yeah. And often they've maybe looked at what they might get for their, their house and, and one in particular had had it on, but the offer's weren't great, but because of, like you said, there's no acquisition, there's no stamp duty, you can off, you can off, um, often go in and offer more because mm -hmm. you don't have to take all these things into consideration. Like you said, it's simply the refurb and then what you got. So on one, for, for the first one I've ever done, for example, we went in and agreed a, a sale price of 95 um, and we, the, the refurb cost about £6,000. So it was at 101. 
and that property sold for 130. So after we had mm. some market and sales costs, there was over 26,000 pounds profit in that, and that was done in nine weeks. So if you take into consideration, if you buy, if you're buying to, to flip, obviously you get the deposit and the, so for anyone listening, you've, you've got deposit and you need to take in your, your um, stamp duty, then you've got six months before you can do it. Mm-hmm. Whereas we were able to, to get in and out nine, 10 weeks and um, small refurb, but that was that was probably the best one I've done to date. So so it's a win-win situation really. So you're able to offer the vendor the full market value, so they are happy. Um, and, and we it's a strategy that we, we've had quite a lot of experience as well. And you're you know, you're saying to saying to, to, the, to the customer, anything over and above that hundred thousand yeah. pounds for argument's sake, is, is there a little yeah. bit of profit? Yeah. Um, and when there is um, estate agents involved, again it's a win situation yeah. for them as well 100%. because the, the listing goes back on uh, also the property is a lot more appealing in particular to first time buyers because yeah. it's got the you know, the new bathroom, the new kitchen, whatever work may have been done. Yeah. Um, and everyone's walking away happy. hundred yeah. percent. That one in particular was, was slightly different because it was a it was a relatively new build flat. The owner had snakes, obviously you see a lot of property snakes, rats. So um, hang on. Actual <laughs> snakes. snakes. Actual snakes. I'm petrified of snakes. I'm terrified. Like, that's of my snakes. only thing is snakes. And I remember going off market lead and I remember going and um, getting there was ferrets, rats, snakes, like in cages and, or, or No, no, the ferrets were out. Ferrets were out running about, the feet the snake I made sure was in. But there, and there was there was shelves like everywhere. Not even down the hallway. Mm-hmm. I mean like seven high shelves everywhere. So that looked like it needed a lot more work than it did when that was stripped out and freshened up the, the, the kitchen, the bathroom that was okay. So that one was slightly slightly different. But even like you said with um, estate agents, for estate agents I always find if you position it right with estate agents as you'll know that you can get them on site mm-hmm. because what I'll normally do is if I'm trying to pitch an assisted sale, I'll have a look in that area at what other properties they've got on and if they've had them on for a while and use that as a thing to say, look, I've done a bit of research, I can see you've got maybe two or three properties that are really struggling to sell. That doesn't look good for you because me, if I'm buying a property or if I'm, if an investment point of view or you've got a few for sale signs, why are you not able to sell these? Perhaps you, you want to try and get them moving as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. But also, as you know, the estate agents make the commission on what they sell the house for. So if you're going to add value, they're going to get paid more in a higher amount. I always agree with them, look, this, this will come back through you. Mm-hmm. So there is little things that you can use because it is more difficult, as you say, when it is when it is on the market. But if things are sticking for five, four, five, six months, especially in this today's current market, which there's not many about just now. But I always find if you can get the estate agent on side by explaining how it works for them. Mm-hmm. And also they can go back to the seller and say, look, you can get a higher price. Yeah. Because so it's, it's like a win, win, win. When we're in, well, I think it's just important as well just to, to mention that you really, it's very, very important that you work with a solicitor that fully understands yeah. this model for obvious reasons because there's ne- there needs right. to be protection. We, we talk a lot about protecting the vendor, but, you know, as property investors ourselves, we're going in and out of our own pocket, you know, we're, we're uh, funding Taking the risk. refurbishment right. and there has been instances in the past yeah. where... Uh, Joe Bloggs has got their nice shiny kitchen in and their nice new floor and thought, you know what? Actually, I'm not. I'm not going to sell this property. Yeah. This, this is great. 
uh, and without the legal legal contracts in place, then yeah. you've not got a leg to Aye. stand on. Well, in, in the contract that we use, that we we put in that if if that's the case, then they need to cover the refurb cost. Yes. But for that for that reason, but I've had a number of solicitors that won't entertain it. But yeah. once you get like you say, what with the right one that understands it and how to how to process it, then it's the worth of weight in gold. Because I've had estate agents at times turn their nose up at it. Um, solicitors like no, 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 can't can't do that. But just comes back to working with the right people, doesn't it? So your your first deal you made twenty six grand, and uh, I, I think made it. <laughs> yeah, you think you're jackpot, uh, happy yeah, days, you yeah. know. So off the back of that, we've done another assisted sale through in Edinburgh. That one was slightly less. It was twenty in for fifteen out. So mm-hmm. the refurb was twenty grand. It was about fifteen grand profit in it. Still in terms of a percentage return, it was still really good. We got yeah, it turned absolutely. over in a couple of months. Um, we've done another one, uh, assisted sale again, so came out and more or less got got three assisted sales in the first four or five months, which is the golden goose for a lot of people. Um, it, it absolutely is. Yeah. But I mean, the learnings have got to come from the failures. Tell That's, me, they're, yeah. they're, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting jealous here, Scott. <laughs> no, no, no. So, as I say, the, the first one it started, but the thing, the thing with, what a lot of people don't realise is you come out of the property training and you go right. I'm going to I'm going to make this. I'm going to become a property millionaire. But then you're working for 15, 16, 17 hour days, and nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. Like nothing. And then the next week comes in, and bear in mind, I told my pregnant fiance, "Listen, we're going to don't worry about it. It's, yeah. Everything's fine." But it's that, and it comes back to the, the mindset of just being able to keep going, like doing the same thing over and over every day, connecting with people. And I, I was starting from a standing start, and I get I got very early on. I got who, who do you think you are to be in property? Like you've never spoke about this before really, but now all of a sudden you're you're talking about property, you're talking about trying to raise finance and do deals and yeah. like you'll know ridiculed yes. until people start to see, oh no, wait a minute. And then they start going, how, how do I get involved? Like, how do I get involved? Oh, uh, you know what? <laughs> Every property person listening to this is just going to resonate. Yeah. And those same people that ridicule you, suddenly they're like, oh, Scott, oh, always knew you could do it. I've always Alan had your Sugar, back. No, <laughs> that, oh, Mr. Alan Sugar, I think he is. And I saw, but it was good, like, generally for the first, the first six months, which I think, but maybe, although I was working hard and it was long, once I started to see a few, especially the assisted sales come through, there was a, f- a few things happening. I thought this this is good, um, but there's been I've made errors like big errors and and um, well let's talk about these let's because the, come on the the listeners uh, want the the, yeah. the goss we want the dirt because we know that there's a lot of money to be made in yeah. property, um, but I, I'm very much like you I like to show a warts and all yeah. picture um, because as you just started off by saying when, when you see property on Instagram and you know the Lamborghinis uh, and all of this kind of stuff you, you people are very quick to share their wins yeah but less so to share the losses and the learnings. But I think one of the reasons that, that we connect and the, the listeners are going to find your story so endearing is that you do take people on the journey yeah. and, and, and you share the wins, but you share the challenges and the mistakes as well. Yeah. I think for, for me, just in terms of what, what I've realised and probably the biggest learning for, for me, what's cost me a lot of money is doing due diligence on property. It's massive. Sit and analyse a deal. You sit and look at, does it work? And you stack it up. My biggest learning is being able to also do that with people. And I suppose you can you can transfer that into business in general, life, property. But for me, I've I've 
got involved in a few deals and, and worked with people that perhaps hasn't worked out and it's cost cost quite a bit of money. And obviously, like you say, it's nice to chat about uh, you're making money from property and you're doing deals, but there's been times when deals have fell through that I've mm -hmm. put money into, know that I've trusted people um, mm -hmm. and it's, it's maybe not, it's not transpired the way it was meant to be. There's, there's times when I've put um, trust, like they've done joint ventures mm -hmm. and maybe not been as like all over it as, as I would be if it was yeah. my own deal and you know, taking advice and yeah. on, on build costs and things like that and all the things that can cost you, cost you a lot of money and it has done. Mm -hmm. But I think as we were talking about earlier, if it, it, it does upset you and, and you have to have a strong mind to keep going mm -hmm. and it does it, it annoys you that you've missed things but for me it's like you, people go to uni and pay thousands of pounds yeah. to become qualified and they get themselves into a lot of debt to be doctors and lawyers and I just look at it as it's, it's kind of like the, the university of business and yeah. entrepreneurship so the money that I've lost in these working with potentially the wrong people or maybe down the, the wrong get into the right to, uh, the wrong type of joint ventures that's now served me well and probably that's my that's me paying for my education 100 i i think there's a lot to be said for that because when you do the volume of deals that you've done within a short space of time yes there's going to be wins but there's going to be a lot of learnings you know there is going to be times where you make poor decisions or you mm -hmm. get screwed over um, and we've certainly um, you know been guilty of that we did 25 deals within our, our first year which sounds impressive to people listening but I tell you what it must have aged us yeah. 10 years you know yeah. um, and, and when you dissect those deals was there things that we could have done differently? Could we maximise our profit? You know, were we delivering a Rolls Royce service from the get-go? You know, if I'm being perfectly honest, no. But by condensing so much in a short space of time, you know, yes, certainly there's a downside, but the upside to that is you, you probably gained a decade's worth of experience. Oh. Um, and, 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 you know, you, you, you mentioned and it's something that those of you who listen regularly will know that I'm always bleating on about anyone who follows me follows me on social media is absolutely sick of me saying this, but relationships are the highest form of currency, but they can also be um, our biggest downfall as well when we you know, make the wrong decisions. Yeah. And um, like you, we, we've been in a situation where we've had 10 property deals going through conveyancing. We had a, an investor funding all of them and literally um, the, the Friday the money uh, was due to go in our account after a year's worth of negotiations we've had had that fund pulled from us um, but I tell you what the lessons yep. it doesn't feel like at the time aye, but aye. the lessons gained yep. from that are absolutely priceless 100% it's and, and I'll be the first to admit like there's times where it's impacted me mm -hmm. quite heavily and and I've thought like what am I doing like, do you know what I mean go back to the office go back <laughs> like what are you doing but I think it's it's that slight shift. So whatever happens, and it's this doesn't happen overnight, and it's still obviously you still fall into the trap sometimes. But being able to find a light, like we've just spoke about, so in every situation, everything that's happened, it's either cost me money, cost me time, or maybe knocked me down a few um, rungs of the ladder. Mm -hmm. um, being able to reflect on it and find that light and go, well, do you know what? can guarantee that's never going to happen again mm -hmm. um, and that's comforting knowing that in five years ten years because you're in it for the long run you're here to create a legacy for your family and, and grow every day and do better for yourself but ultimately it's just good to know that well these things are not going to happen again it's part of the journey it's part of the lesson and trying to find that little bit of light 
um, which is bloody hard at times um, when you're in the like you say but like that yeah. Friday for example so if I'd have said that to you then you'd have probably ripped my head off <laughs> yeah. just, just find a light but it's so true it, you know it, it's really interesting because with regards to, to that particular Friday I, rem I remember Mark ringing me it was just before Boris locked us down so we're only talking what 18 20 months ago here we had the we had a billionaire investor and um, we had things structured with solicitors and what have you you know this wasn't pie in the sky yeah. this was something tangible that was happening um, but, but, but a great lesson learned, you know, a deal's not a deal until it's a deal. Um, and also putting all your eggs in the one basket yeah. was, was very naive and amateur with the benefit of hindsight. But um, I remember dropping to my knees and, and, and saying, you know, out loud, I was, I was on my own, um, how many times I have to get back up? And there was just a little voice in my head that said, how many times it takes? And um, the, 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 the power of relationships really came into fruition that day because very much like yourself, I, I'm always putting myself out there online, offline, going to networking events, meeting people, um, do a lot of public speaking, I help a lot of people, support a lot of people, I give without expectation. Um, and on that day, I remember within 20 minutes just picking up the phone and, and saying, literally, no word of a lie, um, hi, it's Ellie, billionaire investors backed out, 10 deals going through, do you want to invest with us? Yes or no? Yes. Phone down, next one. Right, I'll be in touch. Hi, billionaire investors backed out, and, and I'd got five hundred grand within twenty minutes. Now we didn't actually need to to utilise the majority of those funds with with how we managed to structure things, but um, you know, the, out of the darkness, there mm -hmm. is there is always light, um, and something I think that you're particularly good at is the networking. It yeah. is the relationship building, and I think that's probably why you've got. The profile that you have within let's be honest a very short space of time 18 months is not a long time but the, the thing i really would like to chat to you about scott um is the life after professional yeah. sports contract that you've got because um it's such a phenomenal business model and it's very niche and you know you've done ever so well to get it so, so that probably ties in perfectly with what you were just talking about putting yourself out there networking being visible I still repeat that, that what, what you say all the time um, to anyone that I'm speaking to. It's not what you know, it's not who you know, but it's who knows you. Like that's, yeah. You're famous for saying that. And, <laughs> um, and this how this came about um, was as easy as exactly that. So as you say, I was doing, doing a few deals when I came out, started getting involved in property and had a few assisted sales and things going on. And um, someone who I hadn't spoke to and, 12 years was it a friend a good friend from from high school and um, messaged me on LinkedIn and said love what you're up to and um, can we have a chat and at this point didn't really know how to be looking what it was up to but didn't know what it was about went and met him for a coffee and he said so he's a former badminton player mm -hmm. went to the Commonwealth Games just missed out in the Olympics very connected in sport but he was working as a business development manager for life after professional sport and he just said there's an opportunity came about to get involved and assist athletes um, in terms of what they're going to do once they retire. Now, a lot of them mention property, as most people do, as, as I said at the start, like I always thought it was glamorous. And so most of these athletes will know that property is the way to go, but they don't know how, how to go about it. Like myself going and getting educated, like you've done, you know that it's the right, it's a very, very sound investment. Stood the test of time, but how do you get started? Especially if they're still playing or they're coming to retirement, they're still training, 
because I always say when I speak to them, I say, look, most athletes I speak to are lacking one of three things. It's either knowledge, time, or a network. Mm-hmm. If you come to me and say, look, I've got all these three things in abundance, I'll be the first to say, like, you probably don't need me, but let's keep in touch. But for most of them, it's the time, the knowledge, or maybe all three, but normally that's, and that the opportunity came about, and not to get too deep into the, the spirituality in the universe, but I always, always thought I'd love to combine sport at some capacity. Mm-hmm. I've always, always thought it, maybe just, no, it was always a subconscious thought. Mm-hmm. Looking at it now, um, as you know, like maybe, and manifesting that it just came it, it came about and mm-hmm. from a very just a random um, phone call or message on LinkedIn and then went and met Kieran and it just transpired from there so and it was, it's unfortunate because lockdown hit just at the time mm-hmm. that I started so it was the end kind of end of the year there was loads of plans there were loads of great events with loads of athletes there and we had great things planned and, and they're all now planned for the start of next year which is exciting so it's allowed me to build up a bit of a rapport with their client base and speak to people and but now it's it's going to be that there's events happening at Wembley and Villa Park and um, St Jake Newcastle's ground where there's athletes there and going to speak to them about the benefits of property and how I can assist them so I'm so excited for that but and it's like you say it's, it's given me an opportunity to really niche down yeah and I, I find I get more from the athletes than like I'll talk about property for 10-15 minutes at the end but like I'm speaking to people that have won Olympic gold medals, so being able to sit and chat to them, as you know, you you get a lot of amazing people on your your own mission podcast. Mm-hmm. Like being able to sit and chat to them and just listen and dive deep. And so tell me about, tell me how did you how did you make it to win medals at the Olympics? It's phenomenal. It's the best personal and professional mm. development oh. you can get, and then you have the it's almost a cherry on top yep. that the, these people do end up becoming your clients and uh, as you know as well Scott through doing the podcast although it was never my intention just through chatting and, and, and connecting with people on a on a one-to-one level inevitably some of those podcast uh, guests have, yeah. have become clients which as I say was was never the intention but what I love about your story is the fact that by your own admission you are not hugely passionate about property, you've realised it's about structuring the the creative deals, it's about raising the finance, Mm -hmm. it's about building your network and uh, and onboarding the clients. But as um, Steve Jobs said when Steve Wozniak um, asked him, what is it you actually do these days? He says, look, I'm not here to play the instruments, I'm here to conduct the orchestra, which is something that you do brilliantly. Yeah, well, I realised pretty quickly, take it back to the, the gas engineer, my qualified gas engineer, I'm pretty pretty shit one, but <laughs> um, but what I realised is I'm not good at again the mechanic thinking back to when I was sixteen. I don't like getting wet, don't like getting dirty, don't like crawling under floors. I had this image of like if if need be, I can go out and replace boilers and stuff and and build this business that way. But the business has grown, and, and we've over the last year we've smashed all our targets, and I've never serviced a boiler mm. ever, um, and I realised quite quite quickly with that particular model that my strengths lie in bringing in the business, speaking to people, creating that relationship and providing the service and making sure they're looked after. And again, transfer that into property. I thought when I started property that I wanted to be this developer, you know, with a hard hat on and get round and developing buildings and 
realised after the first one or two projects that like I hate the sight of plaster, <laughs> I, I hate tying it all together, I'm not overly keen on the interior design, but there's people that love that. And I think I think in my in my business I want people who are passionate about that. Mm-hmm. Because that then somebody's passionate about interior design, crack on, like that'll then that'll show in this project. If you get me to do it, maybe not. I like like you said, I like to start finding the deal, the relationships that can bring you potential deals and the relationships I build that will phone me up and we've just bought a flat recently um, that I'm doing a, a joint venture with Declan and that is we got that massively um, at an incredible price in the current market but that came off the back of just building relationships with this particular agent and the opportunity came about so I love that side of it and as you say getting creative how to structure it how to finance it and maybe using helping the athletes invest their money and and then the end, like I like the end, how do we get rid of it? How can I then tap into my network to try and get rid of um, the deal? So like the, the commercial to residential that, that we joint ventured on down in Ayrshire, which was three units. Somebody from that had done Paul's course had an investor, they purchased it, we didn't need to go to market with it. So that's, I, I like those two sides, the bit in between, the actual development bit. I'm uh, not too keen on it at all. Yeah, because so. you're incredibly helpful. You've, you've worked on some, quite, you know, quite tasty projects, haven't yeah. you? Some bigger commercial yeah. to residential projects and things like that. So it's not just necessarily the the sort of three bed semis yeah. that don't pique your interest. It's you know, it, it's pretty much the whole construction yeah. element, isn't it? De- definitely. I mean, one that we're doing is an old listed building. Um, and an area that's getting loads of regeneration and it's it's got a quite a bit of local coverage and um, we're turning it into five flats and mm-hmm. right on the high streets, a really, really good project. But again, it's, it just doesn't excite me in mm-hmm. terms of I love what it, um, what property can provide you and the relationships you can build. But like that, there's project managers and people that really enjoy the bringing it together. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I know, I know and understand how to as you say, conduct the orchestra and make sure everything's ticking over. Mm-hmm. In terms of, um, yeah, the actual project itself, it's, it's more the relationship side at the start and, and the end and how to tie it all together and let the, you know, the, the people that really are passionate about development um, be involved. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely love that. It's been uh, incredible to watch your journey to date, Scott, and I know that within such a short space of time, what you achieved is um, is really commendable, but I also know that you haven't even started yet. What does the future hold for Scott Smith? So you're you're spot on, and I I look at the likes of yourself that in a short space of time has has done amazing things, and um, surrounding myself with like inspirational people and that, that have just no limit to where their ambition and I think it's for me property will always be the vehicle and I'll always be able to to use this and asset back myself with it and help athletes invest in property I want to just continue to grow for me it's now about getting more, more leashed on this I want to help mm. athletes transition I'm working on a few things that will, will be re- released soon um, but it's about helping these athletes because really building this community, helping them transition from elite level sport into the next stage of their life. Um, and it's not just financial. I've realised this very quickly. So it's amazing because as well as, obviously, this helps grow my business. Um, it helps create the legacy that I'm trying to do for Lexi and Cali. But also, I'm surrounding myself now with people that can assist in so many, so many different ways. Because for these athletes, it's not just financial. It's where's the purpose? And that's mm-hmm. what we're working on. So 
you know, might have a couple of gold medals, but you're now retired. And from speaking to them, it's like, I don't, where do I go now? Mm-hmm. And asking a lot of questions, which I'm sure we all do. What's my purpose here? Um, so really, really want to grow this over the next few years. It's, we're going to be doing a lot of work with these athletes to help transition them into the next stage of their life and um, continue to grow both, both businesses and see where the journey takes me. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to getting you back in another 18 months Brilliant. and having a deep dive on what yeah. you've achieved. It's been a pleasure. I knew you'd be an awesome guest, Scott. You've not disappointed. Thank you very much. Thank you. That concludes another episode of The Power of Property. If you've enjoyed today's content, please make sure you leave a review, subscribe to the podcast and share it with anyone you feel would get value from it. It really does make a difference. Until next time, goodbye.